my collar's so high. Hello. <laughs> yeah. You got it right up there next to your face. Hello. Hi. Welcome. How's it going? It's going. Welcome to another episode of Millennial Poet Society. Welcome. That's what this is. Who are you? I'm Emily Klein. And I'm Marguerite Virginia. And we are two sleepy ladies. We are sleepy. But you know what? Guess what? What? It's been three years since we moved to the city. It's been three years to the day of the day that we're recording. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And we have survived it all together as roommates. Yeah. Surprisingly so. Without killing each other. Somehow. Literally survived it. Like, we, we both survived. Tooth and nail. We, we just fought for it. And we did it. We, yeah. We've made it. Pretty impressive, if you ask me. <laughs> We sound so enthused. We're like, way to go. We made it. We did it. We're so tired. We sound like real New Yorkers, though. (laughs) We're so tired all the time. Three years. That's great. Feels like three lifetimes. (laughs) Um, But no, in all seriousness, we are very excited to have lived in the greatest city in the world for three years. The greatest city in the world, yeah. With all of my friends, basically, Mm -hmm. at least on and off. And it's been kind of awesome yeah I think so I think it's really great um what are you up to this week you get to hang out with some fun little pretty friends I huh? am I'm house sitting and it is awesome I am with a very cute bunch of animals they are perfect and lovely one dog and two cats one right? dog and two cats super and super sweet today we have the the good fortune of being at delilah's house hi delilah so that's fun um she's over there doing business work because she's she's a busy cat she's a busy cat she's, she's our manager kitty. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> after all right <laughs> Surprise, she's our manager. <laughs> uh, your donations go towards her paycheck. Paycheck for treats and pets. That's right. Um, Put it in the treat bank. Put it in the... Yeah, exactly. The, the treat bank. fund. The treat fund. Um, yeah, so you're getting to hang out with some furry friends. I am. How are they? They're really great. Um, I love also, as much as I have loved having you as a roommate for the past three years... It is kind of nice to have a little apartment all to myself. Well, and now you say that versus when I was doing it. I know. (laughs) But see, it's... Why are you so gone so long? Because it's different when you're the one that's gone. And I know that you felt the same way Mm -hmm. when you were the one that was gone. It's just, it is a nice change of scenery. and nice to have your own space. Yeah, it is really cool. And it's fun to pretend like I can afford to live in a in a one bedroom apartment by myself. Yeah. It is fun to pretend uh, that <laughs> some days. Yep. But yep. I'll yeah. be excited to get back, I'm sure. Mhm. Mhm. This weekend I went to a wedding in New Hampshire. Yeah, you did. It was gorgeous. Um I guess I talked a little bit last time about how I needed to dress. I ended up wearing something I already had. Um and it was really for those fun. I was comfortable. Yeah, for everyone dying to know. Um <laughs> Yeah, but I went to a wedding in New Hampshire. I've never been to New Hampshire, and um, it was gorgeous. It was cold, but it was gorgeous. It was in, like, the 40s, maybe 50s during the days, and then at night it got down to, like, the 30s. Oh, my God. And, like, they had fireworks for them, and we, like, had to go outside, and it was real cold. Oh, no. Oh, no. They hadn't planned it, though, but the hotel was just like, yeah, we're going to do fireworks for you. The 
people that oh. were having their wedding there, like, they have a family history, like, at the hotel, and they've had, like, family reunions there, and their grandparents got their, like, renewed their vows at least once there. Oh, my God. Um, it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It looked wow. like a fairy tale place. It looked like it belonged in the Swiss Alps, yeah. with the red roof and the mm-hmm. white, like, really crisp white, yeah. with the bright green lawn and the big rolling hills and Mount Washington in the background. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Wow. And so, your little nature hike with your family. Yeah, we went on a short oh. little hike. We were going to try to go to the peak in the morning, but we would have had to get there, like, super early, and it was also real cold out, so we were all like, let's sleep in instead and take a nice little short walk. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. Um, but, yeah, and it was a beautiful wedding. It was for um, some very dear family friends that I haven't gotten to see in literally years, so that was really cool. And I got to see... I got to see my entire family all in one weekend. Yeah, you did. My parents and one of my brothers were at that wedding, and then my other two brothers just happened to be in New York City this weekend because my oldest brother lives out of the country, and he was um, back here. Uh, he had to make a trip back here, and so my other brother was visiting him here in the city, and I had been out of town, and then I got back in town like with enough time to be able to meet up with the both of them yeah. here in New York. So I got to see my entire family. Which, which when was the last time that happened? The um, wedding. The wedding. Yeah, three wow. years ago. My oldest brother's wedding. Three years ago. You haven't seen him in three years since his wedding. Yeah. Oh my god! Not I like cannot. in person. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I can't imagine not seeing my sister for three years. I can barely understand three months. Like I'm like, mm, it's yeah. time for a visit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's no, crazy. it's crazy. It is crazy, but. It was good to see everyone. It was a really fun weekend. Yeah. It and sounded we, like it. Yeah. We, yeah. Weekend. Weekend. It was weekend. just a weekend that all that happened in. Just a very, we've been very busy, hence why we're so tired. No, We're busy people. And we have so much. We're very important. So important. So much stuff to do. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> before we get into things, though, um, I will just say our announcement in terms of our who's to say episodes if you've been listening you know it we have we finished season one who's to say episodes are the ones that we there are many episodes where we share the work of um, artists that are either self-published or unpublished and we want your work so that we can get started and continue working on um, season two so Uh, Send your pieces over if they are unpublished or self-published or if you have some pieces that have been published like in a magazine but not published to full collection basically. Right. Um, We want to be able to share your work. So send it over to millennialpoetssociety at gmail.com. You can find that email address either on in the description, the notes of this episode, on our Facebook page, or on our Instagram. And... um, if you're looking for us on Instagram, search MPS underscore podcast. Give us a follow while you're there. And then um, you can click on the uh, either contact or email button. That's going to be right under the bio. And then that'll just pull up a fresh new email for you to put all your juicy poems and secrets into. Oh, <laughs> we make it very easy for you to share your secrets with us. Mm-hmm. That is what we want, essentially. Um, secrets... Sharing secrets makes friends. Yeah. Yeah. Secrets secrets don't make friends. No, sharing sharing them them totally does. (laughs) Only if they're yours to share. This is true. Um, Before we get started, I also wanted to say that um, last week, I think it was, we were talking about 
uh, somebody going to normal school mm. and or like having a like normal college and, and we were like, oh, maybe that just means like a gen ed degree or something. But mm-hmm. it actually means a teacher's college degree. So well, it's that's what like, I wondered because she became a teacher after. Right. We were, yeah. So normal college means like a teacher's college Got it. program. Interesting. And um, my sister's boyfriend is actually doing a lot of research on them right now. So cool. Um, pretty cool stuff. And she pointed it out to me today. Yeah. So awesome. Very awesome. Um, thanks, Ellie. Uh so it's episode twenty nine. It is. Hey, hey. we're almost thirty. Mm-hmm. Thirty, flirty, and thriving. Almost. Almost. Don't get it twisted. Um, so I will go first. Cool. Thanks. So yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week, uh, well, I guess last week we wrapped up. I wrapped up my feminism in poetry session. Mm-hmm. Little. Uh, theme that I had going on for the last few weeks. Yeah. And we went through all of the the waves of feminism to date, uh, starting with a pre-feminism period, mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to third and fourth wave, which takes us into present day. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks yeah. for, for coming along, riding the waves with me, yeah, if you will. <laughs> um, so now it's just back to business as usual for me. Uh, I know you've got some fun stuff, but mm-hmm. um, not, not to say that mine's not fun. But um, <laughs> I don't have like a theme for today. So um, I actually asked one of my coworkers who she was reading lately or like what some of her favorite poets were and she used to work in bookstores and she was uh well she is very good at recommending books and so I was like hey like what are your favorite some of your favorite poets and she was like "Ooh, ooh, you have to look up this guy he has like a very easygoing sort of relaxed feel to him Mm -hmm. and I read it and I was like "Mm, yeah that's what I'm going for today so I will be talking about Ted Couser cool Ted Couser was born April 25th Mm. 1939 yes he is and he is an American poet as well is he a Taurus a Taurian American poet okay I think that's what they call themselves Taurus Taurian it's like... No, I know, but I was trying yeah. to say the plural of Taurus. Oh, Tori. <laughs> Tori. Tori, unite! <laughs> yes. Cool. Exactly. Puppy power! Puppy power! Um, yeah, so Ted Couser. He served as Poet Laureate Consultant in Poetry for the Library of Congress for 2004 through 2006. He was one of the first Poet Laureates selected from the Great Plains and is known for his conversational style of poetry. Ted was born in Ames, Iowa. Growing up, Couser attended Ames Public Schools for elementary and middle school. When he arrived at Ames High School, his motivation for writing, in part, can be credited to one of his teachers, Mary McNally, who encouraged him to continue writing essays and poems that reflected his life. I think we all have a teacher like that, mm-hmm. you know? At least one. those of us who like consider themselves writers now or like have a passion for or like enjoy poetry. I feel mm-hmm. like there was always that teacher that was like, keep going or try, right. try this. And, and like, you might like that. Just like giving mm-hmm. them the encouragement mm-hmm. they needed. As a teenager, Couser decided he was going to be f- a famous poet for three distinct reasons for glory, 
immortality, and to leave behind the bohemian lifestyle. He wanted to become a poet to be leave behind the bohemian that lifestyle. Is what, that is what the internet said. And okay. I was as confused as you were. Interesting reasoning. I think maybe he was confused. <laughs> I think, yeah. Or the internet was confused. Or all of the above. Yeah. Ted graduated from Ames High School with a class of only 175 students, and he enrolled at Iowa State University, the alma mater of his uncles. While in school, he began writing short nonfiction stories for the Iowa State Student Literary Magazine, and he also joined the Iowa State Writers' Roundtable, which he credits for fine-tuning his writing skills. So he did have kind of a background with non-poetic writing, so with mm -hmm. like nonfiction and mm -hmm. essays and stuff. After graduating in 1962 with a B.S. in English education, he moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa to live with his parents. He was offered a graduate readership opportunity, which I'm not too sure what a readership is, but I, I mean, I think it's like a, like kind of like a fellowship probably. Yeah. Um, at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and in 1963, he and his wife moved to Lincoln, Nebraska. Finally, in 1967, uh, after accepting in 1963, he finally received his MA, which usually only takes people two years, but he kept like quitting and dropping out because, or like not passing because he didn't get very good GPAs. Mm. Um, but he made it. <laughs> um, originally, after realizing that he needed to make a living, duh, Kuzer took an entry level job with an insurance company in Nebraska. He remained in the industry, in the insurance industry, until 1999, eventually becoming a vice president of Lincoln Benefit Life Company. But throughout his career in insurance, Kuzer wrote poems, usually from 5.30 to 7 a.m. each morning before going to the office. Wow. So he was really dedicated, and I think that that's just such a testament to his craft, to be like, yeah. every day I need to do this, and I want to do this, but I also need to make money. And I just really admired that because it can mm -hmm. be really hard to find that passion work balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Kuzer hmm. uh, is known for his honest, accessible verse that captures a vanishing way of life. Populated by farmers, family ancestors, and heirlooms, Kuzer's poems reflect his abiding interest in the past but escape nostalgia, in part because of their clear-eyed appraisal of its hardships. That was according to um, the Poetry Foundation. While Kuzer didn't consider himself, he doesn't consider himself a regional poet, much of his work takes place in a recognizably Midwestern setting, which uh, hmm. lots of critics would consider to be, like, regionalism. So okay. yeah. uh, he writes about a very specific part of the world. When he was named Poet Laureate in 2004, some critics said Kuzer had ma mostly made short poems about perception itself, the sign of human habitation, and the uncertainty of human knowledge and accomplishment. In April 2005, Kuzer was appointed to serve a second term as Poet Laureate consultant. During the same week, he received the 2005 Pulitzer Prize for Poetry for wow. his book Delights and Shadows. So... 2005 was a pretty good year for yeah. Dan Kuzer. Uh, during his time as Poet Laureate, Kuzer fought to further the cause of poetry with a general reading audience. Partnering with Poetry Foundation, he began the American Life in Poetry program, 
which offers a free weekly poem to newspapers across the U.S. It's cool. That is cool. He has won many awards and honors over the past four decades, including two writing fellowships for the National Endowment for the Arts, a Pushcart Prize in 1984, 2005, 2009, and 2012, the University of Nebraska Presidential Professorship, the dedication of the Ted Couser Elementary School in 2009, wow. the Independent Publishers Gold Medal Award for The Wheeling Year, and many, many more accomplishments. Wow. Ted Couser was also part of the Midwest Poetry Renaissance in the 1960s and 70s. Hmm. And in case you're like me and don't know what the heck the Midwest Poetry Renaissance was, yeah. um, this was a period that drew on elements of rural America through a five-state swath of the Great Plains region. So these five states in the Great Plains got super into poetry during the 60s and 70s. Hmm. And um, more small presses opened up at the time and Midwestern poets began publishing more work. So we were really hearing from this part of the nation during this time. Hmm. Um, yeah. the, the publication of the anthology Heartland in 1967 is regarded as the catalyst of the Midwest poetry renaissance. Hmm. Ted was in his late 20s and 30s during the decade that the Midwest poetry renaissance occurred. His first book, Official Entry Blank, was published when he was just 30 years old. Not just. He was 30. It was kind of late for most of, for like some of the authors that we talked about. But um, Couser's fame came later in his career, like I said. But aside from poetry, he wrote collections of essays that also focused on life in the Midwest. Um, so just a couple of those. An abridged bibliography, if sure. you will. Um, Grass County. One World at a Time. A Book of Things. Braided Creek, A Conversation in Poetry, Splitting in Order, which I'll be reading from, and Kindest Regards, New and Selected Poems, which is his most recent book, published in 2018. Hmm. Very recent. Yeah. His other publications include the Poetry Home Repair Manual, Practical mm -hmm. Advice for Beginning Poets, and Writing Brave and Free. Uh, both of those offer help to aspiring poets and writers and uh, they do that through practical writing tips and essays on poetry, poets, and craft. Currently, Ted Couser teaches nonfiction at the University of Nebraska and continues to write. In an interview with contemporary authors, he said, I write for other people with the hope that I can help them see the wonderful things within their everyday experiences. In short, I want to show people how interesting the ordinary world can be if you pay attention. Hmm. Which I think is exactly what he does in this poem I want to read for you Yeah, called Splitting in Order. I like to watch an old man cutting a sandwich in half. Maybe an ordinary cold roast beef on whole wheat bread. No pickle or onion. Keeping his shaky hands steady by placing his forearms firm on the edge of the table. And using both hands, the left to hold the sandwich in place and the right to cut it surely, corner to corner, observing his progress through glasses that moments before he wiped with his napkin, and then to see him lift half onto the extra plate that he had asked the server to bring, and then to wait, offering the plate to his wife, while she slowly unrolls her napkin and places her spoon, her knife, her fork in their proper places, 
then smooths the starched white napkin over her knees and meets his eyes and holds out both old hands to him. Hmm. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Just like gentle, right? It's a little gentle poem about a snippet of everyday life. Yeah. And it's just him being like, I like that. I like little moments like that. Uh And I just, I feel like he captured something so beautiful and it feels almost as if everything's moving in slow motion as you read it, mm-hmm. um, which is partly due to the fact that he emphasizes the the characters' ages and like how methodically they're moving. Yeah. But then also just it's so it's so simple, but it's like it's it's cinematic in a way, you know. I just feel like I I really loved it. Yeah. I just thought it was simple and sweet, gentle, all those good things. No, it's nice. And I mean, we've talked about it with some of our other poets, how I really love when they can take life's little simple things, but like make them special or see what's special in them. Exactly. And and you can see the beauty in those little things because it's not always something like major or some like, I don't even know what, but yeah, just something... Something super small and it makes you quiet. appreciate. Yeah, it makes you appreciate those things in life a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and I paying just, like homage to them. Yeah, and I love the. I just love the image of this older gentleman sitting across from his wife of I don't know fifty years or yeah. so, mm-hmm. and just like doing this small service for them, for the two of them, mm-hmm. and cutting the sandwich and like making certain that it is equal halves yeah, and then he cuts it diagonally. Like what an endearing thing to do. It's just cutting a sandwich, but like, I don't know to me that always seems very nostalgic and like lovely Mm -hmm. when somebody does that. Or when I do that, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. it's a little treat. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just thought it was cute and uh, it perfectly sums up what he does with his poetry. Mm -hmm. I read a few others of his and, this one just seemed like this was the recommended one from my friend, but then it was just, it was perfect. It was just yeah. so simple and lovely. So that is Ted Couser, and uh, that's all I've got for you today. Wonderful. Well, why don't we take a short little break and then we'll be back with my person. Awesome. Yay. All right, and we're back. Cool. We are back after a quick break. Quick break. Quick break. Tell me, Marguerite, um, who are you doing today? I am, well, so we're going to talk a little bit first about the next little, like, part of the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, right. You're doing your Harlem Renaissance. Yes. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Anne Spencer. Ooh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Good. Good. Great. Fine. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we're talking about the Harlem Renaissance. We're going to be looking at some work from the years between 1920 to 1924. And that's sort of the next chapter or the next section of how um, the Poetry Foundation, like, uh, put together their collection. Again, this is based on the Poetry Foundation's um, Harlem Renaissance, Intro to the Harlem Renaissance um, collection. Very nice. And all of my information is exclusively from them this week. So thank you, Poetry Foundation. Shout out to them. You should donate. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> listening. Um, so, uh, so the time frame we're talking about 
It's going to be the 1920 to 1924, like I said. Yes. And so the birth of the literary movement within the Harlem Renaissance, um, because it encompassed like music and um, fine art in terms of like painting and like that sort of thing. Right. So the literary movement within that um, is said to, <clears throat> said to have begun with a dinner at the Civic, Civic Club uh, celebrating African-American writers like County Cullen and W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, they mingled with members of the white literary establishment and doors began opening. Mm. Alan Locke was given the chance to write an issue of the magazine um, Survey Graphic, which is the name of the magazine, yeah. um, on quote-unquote Harlem, Harlem, Mecca of the New Negro, mm. which later became a book-length study, which would be really interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, and uh, But even before the Civic Club dinner, writers associated with the Harlem Renaissance were publishing important early works, such as Claude McKay's Harlem Shadows. Um, we know about Claude McKay. We know about Claude McKay. Go back and listen to him. Episode, I think it was 10. 10 or something like I that. I think it was 10, yeah. Uh, listen to last week's episode when I say what one it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, just listen to all of them. <laughs> you should just listen to our podcast. Uh, <laughs> What are you doing here? Just listen to it. Um, James Weldon Johnson's anthology, The Book of American Negro Poetry, and John, Toomer, John Toomer's Cain, um, all of which were published during these years. So, Anne Spencer was born on a Virginia farm in 1882, and um, she actually didn't live in Harlem either. Uh, my poet last week did not. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, these are the ones that, like, I mean... So there's ones like Claude McKay and that sort of thing that um, that they have in their collection, but there's several people, like, I feel like the majority of them are ones that I have been finding, at least. Um, they're considered Harlem Renaissance writers, even though they didn't live in Harlem. They just contributed yeah. to sort of the, um, the literature of the time and helping promote it, and they were big names hmm. of the time and everything. So, um, so, yeah, so she didn't ever live, she lived in Virginia her whole life. Crazy. But um, she was the daughter of former slaves, and she enrolled in school for the first time at 11 years old at the Virginia Theological Cemetery, uh, Seminary. <gasps> I was like, oh my God. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Sleep. Uh, Virginia Theological Seminary and College, which is now Virginia University of Lynchburg, which is interesting because, like, she was 11. So I don't... Schools, yeah. Schools like, were different back then, I guess. must have been different back um, then. And then she graduated as valedictorian six years later. Hell yeah. 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 So enrolled in school for the first time at the age of 11, graduated six years later as valedictorian. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Um, she lived in Virginia her whole life, like I said, but maintained friendships with fellow Harlem Renaissance writers, such as James Weldon Johnson, Langston Hughes, and W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, yes. All names we know. Um, she worked with Johnson and others to establish the Lynchburg chapter of the NAACP and served 20 years as the librarian for the Dunbar High School, uh, for Dunbar High School. Um, which is funny. There's someone else, there was another poet that I came across during this time period or like that they featured during the time period who had a poem that was called like Dunbar, had something to do with Dunbar. So I don't know if that was like a major hmm. school in Virginia at the time or I don't know. what. Um, but she was a librarian there for quite some time. Uh, her poetry addresses themes including religion, race, and the natural world. 30 of her poems were published during her life, lifetime in anthologies, um, 
and um, and her work was ga gathered posthumously in Time's Unfading Garden and Spencer's Life and Poetry. Mm. Um, and there were a few different like books or like different things that sort of referenced her that had to do with like garden and that whatnot. So um, I don't know if that's like a particular. Well, it says she talked about the, like, natural world, so I think that's probably yeah. part of it, is she had lots of themes of, yeah. of like, gardens and, and everything. Um, she's also the subject of, like I'm about to say, she's also the subject of Half My World, The Garden of Anne Spencer, A History and Guide in 2003 hmm. by Rebecca T. Frisch, Frischkorn and Reuben M. Rainey. And um, she's also the subject of Lessons Learned from a Poet's Garden in 2011 by Jane Barber White. So, garden is a theme. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I've got two poems I want to read for you today, and neither of them really have to do with gardens, though. So Super. That's interesting. Love it. Um, so, this first one is called Translation. Um, we can sort of discuss, I guess, what it might be about or what it's referencing, because honestly, I... Don't know entirely. I just think it's I a love cool it. poem. And Great. Yeah. Let's break this puppy up. Yeah. So it's called Translation. We trekked into a far country, my friend and I. Our deeper content was never spoken, but each knew all the other said. He told me how calm his soul was laid by the back of an anvil in strife. The wooing kestrel, I said mutes his mating note to please the harmony of this sweet silence. And when, at the day's end, we laid tired bodies against the loose, warm sands, and the air fleeced its particles for a coverlet, when star after star came out to guard their lovers in oblivion, my soul leapt that my evening prayer stole my morning song. Wow. So, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I like that last line. My Me soul too. left that my evening prayer stole, stole my morning song. Like, I feel like in that, I can kind of see what she's saying. I don't know really how to describe it, I guess. But just that, really? like, her, this evening that she's having or something is so, um, so, like, great or so moving or that something that, like, of... it, it, like, her morning song, her, like, joyful morning, whatever is, like, this night is sort of, I don't know, carrying that already. Like, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. No, I think I know what you mean. Like, yeah. the evening is so good. It's, <laughs> um, my soul so left that my evening prayers stole my morning song. Like, she's so to saying me, that's that like, the night was so good. I, I couldn't have dreamt it better if I tried, you know, like, you know, like, sure. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it just sounds like, wow, what a great like, night. See what I, what I think, or at least what I get from that is that like, so you wake up in the morning and you're like your morning song, like you're joyful to be alive and you're happy and like loving life and everything. And so she's her evening, normally your evening prayer, you're like, um, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord right, right. to keep, like right. blah, 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 blah. It's like she is so joyful and loving life and all that stuff, like, in her evening prayer. It's not as, like, sort of somber of a thing or whatever or, like, I don't know. But it's it's this joyful thing that normally she would, like, wake up with. She's... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My evening prayer... Basically, she's, like, 
the thing I prayed for was better than what I could have expected or something. Sure. I don't know. I don't know, guys. What do you think? I don't know. This was a hard one. But it's you can find it right? on poetryfoundation.com. Yeah, it's org, translation, translation by Ann Spencer. It's a it's a beautiful collection of words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but it flows very well, but it is really kind of difficult to, and maybe it's because we're so tired. But like, it is. I mean, kind even yesterday. Well, to, I was tired yesterday too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little hard to to translate itself. Yeah. So. so I mean, I don't know. And and what's interesting is that it's not published in a collection of hers. It's in right. an anthology. Mm -hmm. So, or at least when it was originally published. So, it's not, you can't even sort of be like, well, this collection was about to this do that or whatever. That. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's just sort of her standalone thing. So, I would it's just love to hear what our listeners think of that mm -hmm. and what your thoughts are. So, mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts... You can DM us on Instagram or send your thoughts to Millennial Poet Society yeah. at gmail.com. Send us a voice memo. Yeah. Vo uh, send us a voice message on, on Anchor. Yeah. We want to hear it. Um, so the next one is just a short one, but I, I liked it. Um, it's called Dunbar. So um, it's named after the school that she was a librarian at. Yeah. Um, it's published in the same anthology that the one that I just read translation was in. So, um, the Book of American Negro Poetry, published in 1922. This is 1922. Yep. Okay. This is Dunbar. Ah, how poets sing and die. Make one song and heaven takes it. Have one heart and beauty breaks it. Chatterton, Shelley, Keats and I... Ah, how poets sing and die. Aw. That's kind of sad, but lovely. Yeah. Where it's like, but like, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting thought because a lot mm -hmm. of times, and in the poet that I used, they, they wanted to become a poet because of the immortality of it, because you sort of live forever. Mm -hmm. And so for her to notice that like, yeah. Uh, for poets to sing and die. So, like, you have these great words that you, you write and, and you have these beautiful soaring ideas and then they go away. Yeah. But, and, like, and then the, the muse stops for a moment and you mm -hmm. die a little bit, <laughs> you know. But, like, yeah. it's almost celebrating that up and down mm -hmm. of the writing, uh, you know, the of the journey of writing poetry or what is yeah. the word I'm thinking of the like undulation no but you get what I mean yeah <laughs> the yeah yeah the, like ups and downs of it mm -hmm. the give and take the yeah yeah turbulence of being mm -hmm. a poet I guess um so yeah that is Anne Spencer um just a short little one this week but seemed like a pretty cool lady and um and really cool that she brought the NAACP to um, to Virginia as well, or yeah. to Lynchburg specifically. Um, yeah, and thank you. Was clearly, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this time is that the Harlem Renaissance. I mean, it was um, a time of like sort of growth and rebirth in the African American community in terms of all their art and everything. But it's because of 
sort of what was happening to them at the time and what they were going through and them feeling like empowered to speak out about it and everything. Right. So it's a time of this beautiful art in, in music and poetry and literature mm -hmm. in general. And also, like I said, like paintings and like all that stuff. Right. Um, but at the same time, like they're addressing a lot of the times or in many of their works, like these really hard things to talk about right. and these issues that these they're dealing with and saying like, Hey, this isn't like, we aren't going to tolerate this or this is something that like we right. need to draw attention to, but they make them palatable enough so that everybody feels like they can understand it. Mm -hmm. But I, I always felt like there was always something deeper to poems of this time period yeah specifically in the Harlem Renaissance oh, yeah. just like there's face value and then they're beautiful mm -hmm. and for like somebody like me who has felt a very privileged life mm -hmm. it's just like what a pretty poem how nice mm -hmm. and like I could dig deeper but like why bother because it's so nice already mm -hmm. and then for people who actually have known heartache or struggle like, yeah. or, or a life like the writer mm -hmm. there is something just deeper rooted and, and even more glorious about them. And yeah. I just think that that's such a, it, it was, must've been such a cool time mm -hmm. to be alive mm -hmm. in that sense. I mean, obviously there right. was a lot of awful stuff going on, but, but the art during the time of, yeah, just, when all of this change was happening and, right. and yeah, people speaking out. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're, I mean, we're not there in the same sense, but our world is cyclical, and I feel like oh yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit, a lot of similarities. <laughs> yep, a lot of a lot of stuff that there's a lot long way for us to go. Yeah, um, long way for us to go still. So yeah, it's good, it, and I mean, I feel like it's good to look back at these times and see and read these works like this and observe. And, and take a hard look at what was happening during these times. Oh, definitely. And that's a great way to sort of learn from it and be able to move forward and sort of say, like, hey, how did we try to progress forward from this? Right. Or, um, like you said, it's cyclical. So it's like, how can we take what we learned from the past and from this experience or what things worked then that we can try to apply now? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. That was really good. Thanks for listening. Anytime. <laughs> Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, yes. We want to give a quick shout out before we end to Zach Adkins for our intro and outro music. Thank, thank you, you so much. Um, and then also at the bottom of the show notes of this episode, you will see a link that will take you to a support page where you can donate as little as 99 cents a month. Dollar menu donations. Yeah, yeah. They're really helpful. And like we said, they go to Delilah's Treats and Pets mm -hmm. Fund. And you know she deserves those. She deserves all of the pets and all of the treats. All of them. So dig out your pennies, people, and give them to us. Give mm -hmm. them to Delilah. She deserves she's, them. She's a good manager. She'll take care of your money. She really is. Um, and then <laughs> also don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening, Spotify, Google, wherever. Um, and thank you for listening. And those five-star ratings also go a long way. And they really do. If you wanted to just like leave us a comment, we love to hear the more, what you guys think. Yeah. The more comments and ratings and whatnot that we get, the more people that will be listening 
and um, tuning in to listen to your work once we uh, start back up with season two of Who's to Say? Which is going to so happen pretty soon here, guys. Our audience is quite literally your audience. We are so grateful yet again. Thank you for joining us another week on Millennial Poet Society. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. See ya. Talk to ya. Whatever. Next time. <laughs> Call us, beep us if you want to reach us. Bye. Bye.